Hello, everybody, and welcome to MonsterBabyPodcast.com. What? The cat. You scared the cat. Did I scare the cat? He, like, freaked Poor out. Guy. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. My name's Ted DeMaison. I am Lisa Rowland. Yeah, we're your co-hosts, your friendly co-hosts, for oh. a curious romp through the worlds of mindfulness and improvisation. That's right. We're back. It's been a while because we had some interesting things going down in between the last episode and this one, but we're here. Yep. And we've got some... That was cryptic. Nothing like crazy happened between the last one and now. Hey, they can think what they want. Okay. All right. We'll just leave that out there. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, first of all, before we get going, Ooh. we want to in- invite you. Yeah. We're doing, we're, we want to invite you to, if you like this podcast, to leave a review for it. Yeah. Because the more of those there are, the more people sort of, it helps our visibility. It helps, um, get it to more, get it in front of more eyeballs. That's right. So. And earballs. And earballs. <laughs> so if you can go to iTunes, go to your iTunes podcast app. Uh, and uh, look it up and then leave a review. That'd be awesome. That'd be super cool. We'd be so grateful. Um, today's episode is about specificity. Mm-hmm. We give you a few leftovers from the last episode on emotion. Yes. And then uh, we play a little game, a little warm-up game that has yeah. to do with specificity. And then and dive into details, the power of details, what, what they give us, why they're cool. What doors they open. What doors they open. What connections they make. Yeah. I like it. I think it's fun. I think you'll like it. Pretty interesting stuff, but... As always, we're curious to hear what you think. And with a couple of actionable things to try. Ooh. So listen for those. You're going to get a little bit of homework here. Yeah. No, well, Is it homework? No. Okay. I would not I would oh, not go no. so far. Ted, no, wrong. There are ideas, suggestions. Oh, there are okay. ideas. Inv- invitations. Listen, no one's going to check your work. I- invitations? Yeah. Okay. If you want me to check your work, I will. I, I'm a teacher. I like giving feedback. All right. Okay. Okay, enough of that. Tune in, listen up, <laughs> and uh, enjoy. go to your two podcasts here. That's right. We're at my apartment. We had a little curious uh, discovery <laughs> as Lisa was making tea before made, the podcast yeah, here. Yeah, ready two mugs with peppermint tea bags in them, walked away and came back and found one cat flat on the on the cutting board, vigorously rubbing his face on the just tea. He had extracted the tea bag from a mug. Diving into that sucker. And just rubbing his face all over it, at which point Ted informed me that Catnip is in the mint family. Yeah, so maybe, maybe he's into mint. Oh my or, god, so funny! But he was he was getting his mint melange on. That's right. Don't leave him out. Don't leave those mint tea bags out. He of was cats. real into it. Could be, <sighs> could be cheaper than catnip. Um. Yeah. Okay. So, hey, do we want to do our warm up first or leftovers? I feel like leftovers come first. Yeah, I, I think so too. Yeah. So last episode we talked about emotions. Yeah. And there were there were a couple things, just a couple little brief things to, to hit on. Yeah. One was you had mentioned something about our fellow improviser Rafe Chase. Oh, uh, yes. Yes. I have heard him talk about this a lot lately, which is that he works on in a scene when he is affected, he works on getting sad instead of angry. When he allows his character to be changed, he he works on not lashing out in anger but rather allowing his character to to, to be made to sad. sad and yeah. what does that do for him i think it just makes him more vulnerable mm. and so it i mean i think it does a lot of things i think it's uh, it's softer it allows other people to connect with him in a in a way that anger doesn't anger yeah. sort of like pushes everybody back not to say that he never gets angry but but that given the choice mm-hmm. 
given the choice, he works on sort of leaning into sadness instead of leaving into, leaning into anger. I like that. I thought it was so cool. I, and it feels like a lot of times that's what's happening when I think especially men get angry is actually their feelings are hurt. Right. And so they don't want to be seen. They don't want to be vulnerable. And so they get angry. They get angry instead. Yeah. And women cry. We've heard that. Right. <laughs> Did you say we've heard that? Uh, yeah. I feel like I've heard that out, out of the right. world. Yeah. That's the that's the way of expressing that yeah. trigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was reading some about Brene Brown and her work on vulnerability and mm-hmm. how um, if we... The vulnerability is really about fear. It's about connection, like you're saying. That it's got a... A component that's, if I show this, then people won't want to connect to me anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, raises the stakes with vulnerability. But that when we can step into that with strength or with courage, it's like, no, here's who I am. I'm putting it out there. And I'm going to be present even through that difficulty. Mm-hmm. And that's when we're most compelling and most alive. Mm-hmm. Because we try to numb ourselves to our vulnerability. But you can't shut down the anger or the sadness or the fear without also shutting down the joy and the creativity. Yeah. And so it's like... Everything the, gets dollar. The, the, everything gets dropped down. Yeah. Yeah. Like we were talking about the image of the equalizer of emotions, like graphic equalizer of emotions, like how much do you turn one knob up? Right, and, right, right, right. So it's like if you're unwilling to be vulnerable, you're just pulling all those levers down. And yeah. Yeah. Team everything. I'm just reminded. So one thing that we have done since last episode is we did our retreat. We did do our retreat. Which was such a, what a beautiful experience. It was so wonderful. It was really fun. Oh my God. And I I am reminded in this moment of something that happened on the retreat, which was in mirroring. You and your partner in mirroring were talking about, oh, I think it was you two, that you had gotten down on the ground. Yes. And you were thinking about how to get back up. Mm-hmm. And that getting back up in complete unison is hard because there's a lot of moving parts and where you put your weight and your so hands and your feet. Let me just pause to, to explain. Yeah. So we're talking about a mirroring exercise where two people are facing each other, uh, yeah. moving, and one person is leading, the other person's falling, but ideally doing it so that it, it looks like nobody's leading and you can't tell. It looks like you're looking in a mirror. Yeah. You're moving at exactly the same time. It tends to be in slow motion. We put some cool music on. It's it's quite intimate and quite powerful. Yeah. So that's what the exercise was. And the, and the point is that you should be such a good follower that your partner can follow you exactly as you're doing something. Such a good leader. Such a good, that rather, yeah. such a good leader. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so the that moment came up where it's like, oh my God, it's time to get back up off the floor and... That, and that's so tricky and there's all these different things to pay attention to to make it look like we're doing this at the same time. And you or the other person said, okay, well, we're just going to slow down and make sure everyone's taken care of. Yeah. Like, this is going to be tricky, so we're just going to slow down, move slowly, and make sure everybody, make make sure we're both, we stay we're together. We're on board, yeah. We're both on board. And I was like, that feels like a really beautiful way to approach tricky conversations. It's mm-hmm. like, this is going to be hard. So let's just slow down yep. <laughs> and stay connected. And st- yeah. Can we stay al- aligned as we're doing it? Aligned, yeah. And make sure we're moving sort of at the same pace, moving mm-hmm. through the, you know, we maybe having our own experiences, but we're we're staying connected through it. This is going to be tricky, so let's just slow down and make sure everybody stay- is taken yeah. care of. It was like a really beautiful... That's cool. Yeah. I, I loved it as a, as a way to take care of each other in emotionally tricky places. Right. And we could, I like that we saw that the hard part was on its way. It wasn't we were necessarily there yet, but we had this advanced sensation. So like the same thing. Like this is going to be hard. Huh? I bet this this might get tough. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah, really cool. 
Another thing that I was thinking about, the question I raised uh, last time was, so we were talking about Inside Out, the Pixar movie, naming five core emotions. Yeah. Anger, fear, sadness, joy, and disgust. Right. And I was curious about, are there others that are similarly primary? And I wondered about, for one, shame Mm -hmm. as an emotion, or confusion. Mm -hmm. Is confusion an emotion or a mental state? Right. But it seems like there's a lot there. Confidence. Yeah. What is Right? Is that those also all a mental like state? Dip, those all feel like dip, diphthongs to me. Tell me again what a diphthong is. <laughs> like a combination of vowel sounds? Yes. Like I. A-I. I. I. Right? Is like yeah. a, is it, we kind of conceive of it as one sound, but it's actually a combination of sounds. Yes. And like confusion, once again, I think can have multiple emotional... Um, well, I'm interested in hearing what you found. And that's my impression is that confusion, confidence, like all of these things, I think that like confusion can have... A couple of emotional. Mm-hmm. You can be angry and confident. I can be going into a fight and be like, "I'm confident. I'm going to kick that that guy's ass." Right. Or I can be like, "I feel confident and benevolent," and like, I just feel so filled up with you know. Right. It can be so. There can be different different emotional spins on those states. I think it's like flavor. Like we're putting a little Fla- almond yeah. almond essence into the anger. Or yeah, yeah. Mint essence. Exactly. Which the cat would love, by the way. Would love, really love um, it. Yeah, is loving an emotion? I'm feeling loving. Mm. Right? That's not necessarily joy. Well. But it's not sadness, fear, anger, or disgust. Mm-hmm. It seems to me like a core core thing, but like affectionate, warm-hearted, endearing, on fire. Like those could all be, you know? So I, I don't know, but it's still a mystery to me. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that there's more than five. But one of the things that I found was a chart that took the emotions from inside out and took the five and put one on a column down the left side and one on a row across the top. Oh, cool. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, and so it's like, well, if you... Emotional diphthongs. If you put joy and sadness together, you get melancholy. Yes. Oh, I love this. If you get joy and fear together, you get surprise. Yeah. Will you... you, um, Put a link to that. Put this on our... We'll put it on the, on the Facebook page. On the Facebook page. On the Monster yeah. Baby Podcast Facebook sure. page. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. Right? That's cool. Joy and fear, surprise. And that fear fe- and sadness, anxiety. Oh, fear, that's cool. Fear and disgust is revulsion. Yeah. And so it, it, it adds some of what I was trying to get to. Anger and sadness is betrayal. Yeah. Like, yeah, I knew that. Right. I love that. So it's really cool. And if you put joy and joy together, that's. Ramped up joy is ecstasy, or anger and anger is rage, or yeah. so on and so forth. That's so, co- that's really cool. So we'll put that up. But fear and fear is terror. I still I still wonder where shame fits in. Maybe shame is self directed disgust. Yeah. Or uh, where love fear where fear does, and disgust kind where, of. Yeah. Where does love fit in? You know, I don't know. Yeah. That's really a question for all time. Where does love fit in? Where Lisa? does love fit in? I can't tell you that. If you know the answer, info at monsterbabypodcast.com. That's really cool. That's a really cool chart. Yeah. Go to our Facebook page and check it out, everybody. So, yeah, that's kind of fun, huh? Super cool. All right. So that was just a little bit of our... Those are our leftovers. Leftovers from last time. Leftovers from last time. From from emotion, the emotion episode. 
So, all right. Well, so let, let's play a little warm-up game before we get into today's topic. Okay, great. So, so today's topic is specificity. Mm-hmm. And so we were talking about playing a game, and I said, let's play specificity three things. Which we don't even know what that we is. We don't really know what it is, so we're going to find out. Uh, so we're, so we're going to each give each other a category, and then yeah. we'll say three things that fit in that category. Okay, here's a, here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Three, three things. things. Uh, three unusual things you might find on a high-powered lawyer's desk. Oh, uh, a crystal from the Andes. Uh, a transistor radio that is uh, playing uh, news from World War II, mm. and um, a, a banana that's just a little bit overripe. Great. Three, three things. things. Three things you would be concerned to hear over the loudspeaker on an airplane. Uh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, gosh. Wait. Shoot. Is the mic on? Okay. Um, <clears throat> we seem to be taking on water. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and fuck it. Hey, if you got something you want to tell somebody who you're sitting next to, now would be the time. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Three, three things. things. Oh, three things that, um, oh, three names of, of green nail polish. Oh. I don't know if you're familiar with yeah. nail polish names. Emerald Sky. Great. Uh, Jade for Days. And, hmm. Follow me home, Patrick O'Callaghan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Where did they get that from? I don't know. Three, three things. things. Uh, three songs that really should have been sung by Marvin Gaye. Oh. I mean, songs that haven't been. Oh, I see. Yeah, Song- yeah. Oh, great, great, great. Yeah, songs that okay, haven't cool. been written. Um, uh, you, Me, and the Fireside. Mm-hmm. Uh, come into my cabin and um, let's take it off and get it on. Yeah, yeah. of course. Take Which it is off a, and get it on. Take it off and get it on. It was actually just a less successful <laughs> version. Right. And you mind wound up with let's you get it on. Trimmed it down, it was yeah. Just, yeah, get rid of ex- okay. extra stuff. Three, three things. things. Three things that... Um, oh, three things that you think would make exciting an exciting image for a puzzle. Oh, I would love to see mm, um, balloons, like a balloon festival, in hell. (laughs) Hold on there. Lots of fish in a fish market with a uh, joker behind them laughing. Mm. And just a black night sky with the constellations. Wow. Try to do that one. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Three Three things. things. Okay, that's good. You want one more? You, You only got two. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, give me another one. Sure. (laughs) Three names for diseases that you really don't want to have. Frenchman's disease. Mm. Diotitis mastaniculosis. Also, the the John D. Rockefeller (laughs) syndrome. Yeah, no, that's terrible. Really bad. Diatitis mastaniculitis. Yeah. What is that? It's really just a hangnail. It's just the name. Oh. For, yeah, it's a very complicated name for a hangnail. Okay. And the Rockefeller. The Rockefeller thing is all about it's you are you become gangrenous. It's, it's gangrene, but but very so, high class. Very high class gangrene. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Okay. I, no, I wouldn't want to have those either. No, bad. That'd be terrible. Okay. Cool. Specificity. Yeah, that seemed like it could have could have been called specificity three things. <laughs> okay, so you 
when we mentioned this potential topic, you kind of lit up a little bit. You got you got delighted. I and like it so much. Not that you're not always delighted, but yeah, what, what about it? Why do you like specificity? I think that it's such an important... I guess I love it in improv, and I... I'm, I just love details. I think they make everything kind of sweeter in improv. Mm-hmm. And I actually don't know about the specificities. I like teaching it. I like what it does for scenes. And it, I think it has this interesting thing about it, especially in improv. Especially in improv. Mm-hmm. That maybe carries over, I don't know. But I remember I taught a, a specificity workshop on details in Singapore at the Singapore Improv Festival. And I, it was about 10 minutes away from the very end of the workshop. So I like gathered everybody up and I said, all right, everybody, details are important. And they are not the point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> details are not the point. We've just spent three hours working on details. None of this is the point. They're important, right. but they're not the point. And so it's this interesting thing where, where by engaging in the specificity, we get to what is actually important, mm-hmm. what, what, what is actually compelling. The details make that more, it sweetens it. I think it also makes it more accessible. Like I think of specificity as a window into something universal, right? Yeah. So it's like when we can narrow in on, oh, this is, we're looking at the, corner of a window pane and in the corner of the window pane there's a little chip of paint and all of a sudden like because we can see that we can also start to feel it yeah and then there's like this avenue into an entire experience because of that whereas if i was just like i'm just looking at the window eh, right it doesn't have that same vitality well i think the details I, the other thing that i love about it is is that and it, it's so closely tied with space objects and miming and pretending things are there when they're not and I think that ties into the fact that the kind of improv that I'll say we practice mm-hmm. is has an opportunity to transport people. Right. And comedy doesn't as much. It doesn't, tra- it doesn't transport you to a different world. You're watching a comedy show. But if you can get specific about the details of the world you're in, the audience can start to experience it mm-hmm. and understand what it feels like to be in that world. And we actually make them see and hear and feel things that are not there. And that's a pretty tremendous... That's awesome. That's a pretty tremendous thing. So, again, the point is not the details. A show with all details and no heart is not going to be exciting. It's like a list. Yeah. Yeah. But the details... So it's like we move through the details to get to the heart and then the whole thing feels better. Yeah. Which... The same feels true about, like, poetry. Right, so poetry yes. is very specific, yes. detailed language that slice of experience, whoosh, yeah, right. Wakes something, wakes something else up, and all of a sudden, wider circles are available because mm. we've gone into looking at this thing more specifically. Totally, totally. So that's why, that's why, I don't know. That's why I like it because I like teaching it. I think it's a super powerful and underrated skill mm-hmm. is to get really, really detailed with things, and the fact that when you get detailed with things. In, the, in an improv scene, and again, maybe in life, but we'll see. <laughs> as we, yeah, right, as we go through here. As we have this conversation, is that when you, when you notice the details in a world, first you have to choose to see them, right? So you've got to choose to turn that part of your brain on that imagines things. And once you have turned that on and you're looking around at an imagined world and you can see it, then you name it and, and it provides you offers for what comes next. Mm-hmm. So it helps light the way forward in the scene. Oh, cool. It, you know, because you'll notice something and be like, oh, that's interesting. And then you comment on it. And now we're in a we're in a new interaction. And you didn't have to think something up. You're just 
noticing and getting more specific about stuff. That's cool. I just had this image, as you said that, of looking around and, you know, naming something and literally a light on the floor yeah. coming on. Yeah. And then the, here's the pathway, like the lighted exit on a yeah, or like, airplane. Or like Michael Jackson's Smooth Criminal video. Or Billie Jean. Or Billie Jean. Yeah. Or <laughs> whatever that one what? is with the lighted floor. Was it also lit in Smooth Criminal? I don't know. That's the one where he leaned over. Yeah, no, I remember that. Billie Jean was the one where he'd like step on the on tile. The, and the, the sidewalk tile square lit up. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Okay. Maybe Smooth Criminal too. I, I don't know. Michael Jackson aficionados the one, sing out. The one that, that does that. Yeah. I love that. I love that notion. Well, I, I think I think the same thing is true in life and that this is one of the things that mindfulness gives us is the ability to really pay attention. Mm-hmm. So if I stop and I really hold my spotlight of attention on something, I'm going to start to notice things I hadn't noticed before. Mm-hmm. Usually I'm just kind of going through with a autopilot gaze. I'm like, oh, you registered a little. I suppose probably part of my brain is filtering for any dangers that might appear or anything that's out of the norm. Mm-hmm. But I'm really, I'm not generally paying so close attention. But then when I stop, like, oh, here's this shoe I'm putting on my foot. What about this shoe? Like, oh, the top of the the uh, shoelace has started to get a little bit worn. And, you know, what, what else do I notice about that? Or there's a scuff on the left side that I hadn't seen before and gives my shoe a little bit of character now that it, whatever it is, the longer, the longer we linger, the more we notice. Mm-hmm. And then that builds this kind of connection. Like I think specificity builds an affection or a connection. Mm-hmm. The more, we, the more closely we know something, the more we care about it. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that true? I suppose it could be the reverse that the more, you know, about something, the more you get turned off by it. I think it could be true that the more you know, the more you dislike it. Right, that's what I mean. But that is caring. Oh, good point. That's still caring. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think the more you know, the, the the more indifferent you become. Right. Yeah, well said. Right? Okay, I'll buy that. I had a great improv moment today. Hmm. Like a really great improv moment. Okay, say more. And it was fueled by Patricia's book, Improv Wisdom, actually. And... I had this, I was walking, so as I said, I like to walk my neighborhood when I get back from a place so that I can sort of re-root myself you yep. know, a little bit. It just feels good to be moving through, sort of engaging with the landscape, you know? And I was walking down Dolores Street, and I was walking by this house with these beautiful rose bushes in front and this white picket fence. It's a very funny, <laughs> it's like plucked out of suburbia somewhere, like placed on Dolores Street, this white mm. picket fence, beautiful rose garden. There's a guy working on the roses. And Patricia's Maxim uh, notice, wake up to the gifts mm-hmm. popped up. And in that, she's, there's a try this exercise that says, thank people for thankless jobs. Like go out of your way to thank people for thank, thankless jobs. Nice. And that means people who are like painting the crosswalk stuff, you know, onto the street and street cleaners and garbage people and, you know, food service people who yep. are making the food in the cafeteria line, things like that. And so I stopped and I said, are, are, you, are you taking care of these flowers? And he goes, yeah. And I said, they're beautiful. And he said, oh, thank you. And I said, thank you. Thanks for, for you know, mm-hmm. tending them. And he goes, and, and... He said, do you want one? Oh. And I was like, 
I'd like, yeah, I'd love one. That'd be great. And he said, well, pick, pick the one that you want. And I was like, this one. He goes, I thought you'd say that. That's the one that people love the most. That's it right up there. It's oh this beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a sort of beautiful two-tone yellowish orangey with red on the outside. It's just like looks kind of tie-dyed almost. It's so beautiful. Looks like a Melba peach. Yeah, yeah. It's all those colors, and and so he was he he pruned it. He cut it off, and he was taking all the thorns off for me. And I said, "Do you live here?" And he said, "Yeah. This is one of the oldest buildings in San Francisco. It was here long before the earthquake. It made it through. Mm. There's a you know. It's it was just such a cool moment of." Stop, notice, thank the guy for doing what he's right. doing. And then, like, it totally paid off. I got this, like, lovely interaction Great. with somebody, and I got a rose out of it. And it was, like, such a lovely... Yeah. It was just such a great moment. So wake up to the gifts is, is kind of like train your attention for a while, but with a with a sense of affection. Yeah, and, and gratitude. Yeah. Gratitude. Yeah. Not, yeah. Like, oh. Look and, at that. Somebody's tending this and the, garden. Like the particular word in the poem or the particular thing you notice on stage is this window into this whole other way of being. Yeah. Lovely. Oh, it was so cool. So if I go find this guy now, if I go hunt it out. <laughs> hey, I hear you're giving out roses. You can milk him for roses. Yeah. 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 Shake him down. It was so nice. Hmm. So nice. And then I had this, so I had this other thought, and you can decide if this is relevant to keep in this episode or not, but... <laughs> But it made me think of this guy, John Turner, who I'm going to study clowning with in August. And he talked about the space between you and the audience, the clown and the audience, is, called, is the magic space. Hmm. And that's where things happen. You must maintain a connection because, because that's where everything happens, is in the space between you and the audience. Right, so if you get disconnected, it's like that goes down a drain. Goes it away. just disappears. Yeah. yeah, then you're not in the magic space anymore. Okay. You've left. And I thought about that on my walk because I intentionally opted not to be listening to anything podcasts or music or mm -hmm. anything even the listening to music is its own lovely experience when you're walking out in the world but i was like no i'm not going to do that i'm just going to no here i'm just going to hear the sounds of the neighborhood and be mm -hmm. where i am and notice my body and notice the weather and the sun and the feeling the people or whatever and then i had this conversation this this lovely interaction with this gentleman and that magic space idea came back to me that when you go into yourself or your podcast or whatever, or your phone, you're taking yourself out of the magic space. Mm -hmm. And the magic space exists between two people in space and time. Yeah. Or I, I'm thinking like it could be a place and a person. Mm -hmm. Right? Like it's two it's entities. Like, what is of, happening? Yeah, right. What is happening between you and the, and the things and people around yeah. you? And I just love that. I love, I, A, I love that he calls it the magic space because it's like, we're actually that. Humming. There's something is happening yeah. there. So that was really cool. Mm. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I stayed in the magic space, and it just, like, totally rewarded me for being there. Mm -hmm. You know? I think I think specificity has a lot of rewards. So we've already named the notion of um, being transportive, and you're saying that it can be part of the creating this magic space, that quality of attention. I also think it... The it magic just, space may be sort of tangential it's a to stretch, specificity. A I don't know. But it's just a yeah. moment that I thought of and I yeah. wanted to share. But I don't know that it's totally on topic, to be fair. Duly noted. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm thinking also of how helpful it is in interpersonal relationships. Mm. That when, when we can be specific about our emotions, for example. So it's like, if I'm upset with you and I'm, I just have this generalized... Yeah. That's not really giving you any information to be able to help me out or give me some distance or change your behavior. Yeah. Whereas if I can say, 
No, I think I'm feeling a touch of embarrassment and a vulnerability from that because I really want you to like me. Yeah. I'm like, oh, all of a sudden now. And betrayal. Or we, what, you we've know, whatever got something it is. to work with. Yeah. And so developing the skill to be able to see and name things in particular. Precisely. Precisely. Yeah. Really helps. <sighs> yes. Relate more cleanly and easily. Yeah. Say uh, what you mean. Say what you mean. Mean what Not you one say. of the four agreements? I don't know. Be impeccable with your words? I don't remember. Sure. I think it <laughs> might be. Lisa and Ted's generalized <laughs> new age <laughs> advice. Wasn't that, didn't someone say that once? <laughs> what the four agreements? The four agreements. Be impeccable with your words. Take your shoes off before you come in the house. Show up. <laughs> and... Don't go to bed angry. Don't go to bed angry. <laughs> with your partner drinking some apple cider vinegar. Something like that. Gargle. Gargle. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, so like, <laughs> um, yeah, I love in, that. In bookstores before Christmas. So, <laughs> Lisa and Ted's Four Agreements, based loosely on the real Four Agreements. Um, Don Pablo Ruiz, is that his name? I think that was his name. <laughs> sure, let's go with that. Um, anyway. Yeah. Okay, I have a few things that are on my mind about specificity. Okay. And I'm going to try to list them. Okay. Are they three things? I don't know. We'll see. One is small talk. Mm, like meet, just meeting somebody? Just, this is just chapter headings. Okay. I'm going to save them so that I don't forget. Great. Small so talk. Small talk. Milking moments. Okay. <laughs> uh, that might be it. Small this talk like and milking moments. categories. Small talk and milking moments. I'll take milking moments for 100, Lisa. <laughs> okay, great. Excellent. Excellent. Milking moments. My mom told me about this. Uh, and by the way, before you tell me what your mom said, I'm thinking... That milking is a verb, a gerund, as opposed to an adjective. Like, what kind of moments are they? They're milking moments. You're saying it's like, no, milking what you can out of a moment. Yes, okay. you, you are right about Got that it. milking okay. moments. The moments are the The moments are being object. milked. Yes, yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So this came from somebody that she was, some inspirational person she was listening to for a while. Yeah. And... I'm not even. Which is not very specific. Which I know, once again, is like part of our like, didn't someone say this once? I think so. Anyway, <laughs> this came from this came from her. And it's all about when you find yourself feeling good, stop and get specific about what you're feeling good about. Yeah, nice. So like, oh man, I'm in a great mood. You could stop there and just like enjoy feeling like you're in a great mood. Or you could be like, what is it? God, look at the day. It's so nice. And then you feel the sun on your skin and mm-hmm. like sit in that experience of the sun on your skin. Or... When I, the thing that I love to do most is drink coffee on my couch with my cats. Mm -hmm. I love it so much. High pleasure. So like when I'm having a great day, it's like, what is it that I love? Like the coffee is the perfect temperature Mm. and there's just the right amount of half and half in it. And the cats are doing that adorable thing where they lean their chin on my arm. Mm -hmm. And I love that, you know, like I love that thing or their weight, the feeling of the weight of a cat on my lap feels so good. Or, you know, so like, what is it? And Specific my apartment savoring. is clean, and so I feel great right now. It feels so good. to The view that I have is uh-huh. nice, and I just changed that picture out in that frame, and I love looking at it. So, like, what specifically is it that contributes to this moment feeling so good? And you get to get more joy out of it. Yep. You milk it, right, for all of the joy cool. that's in it. You don't just stop with, like, the general, like, I feel great this morning. It's like, well, why get in there? You know, get in there. What, what's so great? And, and you can choose to just sit in what makes you feel great about this. 
as part of the mindfulness course I've been teaching, we call this tuning into enjoyable moments. Mm. And so you like really, you know, what is it? What's making it up? Yeah. And we use the the four pieces of thoughts, emotions, body sensations, actions or impulses. What are you drawn to do? And like, so when you say, I like this, what is it that you're liking? Yeah. So it's, and it's kind of hanging out with, hanging if it. I've got a little square of chocolate and I take time to look at it and notice it, pulled it up to the light, put it on my lips. Mm. Okay, but so here's a question. Yeah. Let's, let's give a little challenge. Yeah. How is this different from what you have expressed resistance to before, which is like overthinking something? Right. Right? Like rather than just enjoying it, is is what you're describing kind of intellectualizing or analyzing or somehow here's the, getting out of the experience? Yeah, that's, of a great, it. that's a great question. That's a great question. Because the way I experience it, the way I envision it or feel about it, is that it's getting deeper into the experience. Exactly. So what would be the thing that I don't like? That's a great question. I, I You know what I think it's what you don't like? What? I think you don't like the detachment. I don't like the, the detachment. The cool observer on like, oh, what it is is that I'm enjoying the cat's paw out of the cat's chin on my arm and I noticed that the picture frame has been placed nicely on the wall that you want I love this cat <laughs> leaning on my arm and the picture frame looks it's so perfect. good that you it's know, so perfect like I, I just love that yeah. and eat it that you want that that passion coming through I wanted to feed the enjoyment you get out of it yeah but so it's like if you're noticing with a with a dispassionate removal you don't like that but if you can see it and notice it and savor it with a joy and infectiousness yeah like, not like a disease infectiousness but like a contagion con- not like a disease <laughs> contagion um. <laughs> something magnetism magnetism <laughs> great yeah. yeah that that then it's then you like it am yes I, am i on on target with this yes there's also something about like what's the like pulling myself out of it. I don't know. It's, cu- it's a curious one. It is curious. It is curious. Because I mean, watching you talk about them, right? So you, when you've talked before about your frustration with sometimes mindfulness, you know, gets this like veneer of I'm not caught up in the throes I'm of all this. I'm not in it. I'm not in it. I'm not right. in the moment. That. The disgust or the derision on your face is like, you know, it's mapping. <laughs> but then when you're delighted with it, you're just like <laughs> beaming and there's light streaming out well, of but your maybe, ears but I also feel shoulders. Like, and... like, like the moments that I remember having this conversation are like, ah, I notice my breathing and where, I, where my weight is balanced so that I can best perceive this moment. Right. And I argue... If you're paying attention to where your weight is balanced and how you're breathing, you are not perceiving the moment. You are perceiving your own breathing and your weight. Yeah. So maybe it's a self-focus, other focus. Oh, interesting. Right? So maybe it's like... Yeah, that could be the variable that that rubs you the wrong way. Yeah, maybe there's something about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about mapping it into this moment of like, God, I'm having a great day. Look, Look at... What I do when I'm having a great time, like I don't know, I'm not sure exactly. It's yeah. a great question because I think that in in some ways it's the same. Right. So so 
but I do have this sense that sometimes that practice can bring me out of a moment rather than get me deeper into the moment. Yeah. Well, and milking a moment for like, oh, yeah, I want to squeeze all the best shit out of this moment feels really different than like, hmm. Yeah. But I, but maybe it's the same process. I th- and, well, maybe and, Lisa is growing right now. And we, whoa, seatbelts, seatbelts. <laughs> when, when, either way, I think that when we savor something, we need less of it. So it's like it's more efficient. Mm-hmm. Right? So we savoring a meal, paying attention to like this cherry. You know, I'm tuning into when I bite into it, I feel the juice expand in my tongue. I don't need to have 20 cherries. Right. I can have three and like, that was plenty. Yeah. And so you're getting all the goodness out of that, the experience of that one cherry. That's right. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm neither wasting it nor, you know, eating more than my body can handle just because I'm not paying attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And I think the same is true with information, like music or stimulation. Like if I'm really there, I don't need as much of it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, okay. The milking. Have you ever milked a cow? Never. I very much want to. Are you cereal? No, I never have. Wow. I also have a dream of drinking drinking milk right out of a cow. Not like mouth to udder, but just like put it in a... I'm interested out of the in what, udder into a cup and then drinking it? That's it, yes. What's, what's different? Um, it feels less gross. <laughs> Even though it's exactly the same thing. Uh, it's kind of the same. It's not exactly the same thing. If you went straight out of the udder into a glass, you know, like I would also, with somebody that I was very close to, taste their breast milk, but I would not put my mouth to their breast. Right. I'm not saying putting your mouth on an udder. Oh. Okay. I'm just like squeezing, because yes, that would be ramping it up. But I would squirt. I could squirt it. Squirt in it into your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little freaky for me. Yeah. But have you ever done that? Have you tasted like milk straight out of a cow? Probably when I was a kid. I wonder what it tastes like. Um, Hey, listeners, if you've ever tasted milk out of a cow, let us know what it's it's like. It's like uh, hearty. Mm. You know, I'm like, this is is friggin' milk. I think I tasted raw milk once at the Hudson Valley when we did that show with Walking the Dog Mm -hmm. off leash. Mm hmm. And I was like, oh, gamey. <laughs> exactly. It's like, gamey, yeah, that's the word. this tastes like an animal. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because it hasn't been pasteurized. Yeah. And, and neutered. Yeah. Yeah. Something I like about it. Well, and I one time made uh, and like warm. ice, warm ice right cream out of raw it. milk, and it's mm. so fatty. Yeah. It's like you're wiping Vaseline on your lips. Fatty mouthfeel. Yeah. Yeah. Blah, blah. Okay. Well, okay. it's not milking the moment. What was the other one that... Uh, small talk. Okay, I'll take small talk for 200, okay, Lisa. Okay, great. So you had said, is specificity helps in interpersonal relations. Yes. Partly because... I want to fall under the notice yourself or notice something something in me, something in them. Half because you, I can notice myself what is really happening and, and report accurately to you what is really happening. Right. right. And that's like in sort of close relationships. Right. Uh, I also think specificity is really helpful in small talk. In, in having those like new starting out relationships right that a if you can listen for details or mine for details you have so, or offer details you have so much more mileage like you then the you conversation can just, just takes off takes off because yep. you got you got something to hang on to so so if you say how was your day and somebody said a lift lift drives are great lift drivers are great mm-hmm. to, to practice this with and they say you know it's like yeah how you doing i'm good 
You can leave it at that. You can be like, oh yeah, good. No one's been a jerk to you today? No, no. Cool. What's the, what's the, any like really interesting ones? Had a long drive today? Like start yep. asking specific questions. Yep. Or when somebody asks you, how are you doing? I'm good. You know, I just saw a really old friend. Mm-hmm. So like offer a detail that somebody could grab onto. Latch onto, right. And because go from there. we can't relate to, well, good. It's like, okay, but there's nothing for me to do with that information. Mm-hmm. But if I say, how are you? And you're like, I'm just getting over a thing. I'm getting over a sickness. And so I feel great because everything looked good. I'll be like, oh, yeah, there's been a sickness going around. I just got over a thing. Like there's something. There's like. It strikes me as vulnerability. You're sharing something that's true about you. And in that vulnerability, you're forming a connection. I have a, I have a chemistry. I have a chemistry metaphor. Okay. I think it's called nucleation. And I think it happens in champagne and anything carbonated when you put something in and it, uh, uh, it bubbles need to form on something. Okay. The thing that makes champagne exciting is imperfections in glass. Mm. Mm. Because if there were no imperfections in the glass that the champagne is in, no bubbles would, fo- they, you wouldn't see the bubbles. They need to start with something. They need to start on, they like get something gathers and okay. then they like create and then they rise to the top. Yeah. I think this is true. Okay. Let's assume it is. Let's assume it is. Let's go with our pattern for this episode. It's in the four agreements. <laughs> one of the four, uh, one of the one new, of the four this is the f- four agreements set B. Yeah, that's right. Assume it's true. Five through eight. Yeah. <laughs> agreements five through eight. Assume it's true. Um, yeah. But so, so the idea being that like, I'm good is sort of like smooth glass and I'm good because I just reunited with an old friend of mine or I'm good because I'm just getting over something or, you know, for some reason I'm in a great mood today is like that gives you me something for bubbles to form around. It's like something to catch on to. I like that image. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a great image. I thought you were going to say something about imperfection like wabi-sabi. Things are more beautiful. The beauty of imperfection. Well, I think there's something in there. No, but this notion of the specific gives us something around which the bubbles can form. Bubbles of interaction. Bubbles of connection. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Nucleation is the first step in the formation of either a new thermodynamic phase or a new structure via self-assembly or self-organization. That, I, no, this is too deep. <laughs> it's we'll too just deep. go with our Don Pablo Ruiz <laughs> Oh, God. Nucleation sites on the surfaces in the system. I think that that's that uh, imperfection of the glass is a nucleation site. Listen, I'll learn more. Closed, it'll, be an, it'll be a next episode's those, leftovers. Most of those nucleation sites were closed by the government after the Cold War ended. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it just shut them down. It's a shame what happened around those nucleation uh, sites. Just terrible. Yeah. Yeah. There were lots of protests. Yeah. <laughs> Banners. Jackson Brown, I think, played a few concerts at the nucleation sites. I think that was the sixth agreement. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking also of how, in related terms, you're talking about in conversation, being specific helps, gives you something to go on. I think of being specific with one's praise. Ah, uh, yes. Or appreciation. Right? So if I can notice what I like about when I was teaching, something specific that a student had done right, it's elevated them so much more than just saying, hey, you're doing a really good job. Great like, job. Great job in class. You know, right. The way you, well, and I would always try to praise effort, but like the way that you turned that first paragraph, you took what you had and you added new verbs 
that were much more colorful than the verbs you had before. Now that your paragraph is much stronger. Mm -hmm. The specificity of that feedback lit them up more yeah. than just saying, yeah, you didn't. Because it's also like, oh, you see me. Exactly. You totally see me. Yeah. When, I, when, when improvisers come to improv shows and they comment on things like, nice bartender space object work. When, like, I didn't even speak in a scene, but I was in the back and I was a bartender. And they're like, nice glasses cleaning. Yeah. You did a great job on that. Like, I could see you arranging that tray or whatever. And I'm like, these are the things that improvisers notice because they know what to, to look for. To look for. But, but the specificity of that, or like, when they notice that, mm -hmm. it also happens to be that those are moments when they're complimenting specificity. So that's mm -hmm. nice. But... I, I'm always like, ah, oh, you saw. Cause, you and that know, feels particularly affirming to you. Yeah, it feels great. Yeah. It feels really great. Yeah. yeah. I like it. I always try to, whenever I go to a show like that, yeah. any show I see, I try to give somebody specific feedback, preferably something that I think they wouldn't have heard from somebody else. Uh -huh. So like when I went to Hamilton, yeah whatever, the third or fourth time, and I waited in line afterwards like the fanboy that I was. Sure. For whoever to come out, I was like, okay, what can I tell this person? Mm. That, that they might not hear all the time. Nobody, you know, somebody else wouldn't have heard from. You're not going to tell them, you were amazing. Yeah, I was so in love with you. Yeah. Uh, and so there was one where the guy who, um, the guys who played Madison and Jefferson. Yeah. Matthew Tirico and Jordan Donica. Uh, I got those reversed but um in any case i talked to them about how much i loved their interaction with each other cool and how it looked like they were having a blast pulling each other's chain yeah and that they had ramped it up since the last time i'd seen them cool you know and you could see them whenever i give compliments like that you can watch these guys or these women break out of their routine like yeah. they're signing autographs they're like thank you thank you thank you oh thank Great. you so much thank you thank you and, then they're, and they're like pause and then they look up and make eye contact mm -hmm. and then give me something that they haven't said to somebody else yeah it's like a spell breaker the specificity is a spell a trance breaker yeah yeah i think it's it's like it goes beyond the script Right. It breaks out of the script. We're all prepared for this one script. And it's like, oh, but no, I want to know what you... I'm not interested in just the conversation that a fan has with a star. I'm interested... Like, this is a moment that I saw. That yeah. I saw you do. And it's a real living connection. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's... We follow these scripts all the time. At the grocery store. Hi, how you doing today? Yeah. Good, thanks. Do you need bags? No, That's cool. So the specificity gets us out of the script yeah. and into spontaneity. Yeah, and I also think, like, in improv, I think specificity is what gets us out of, like, caricature and... Into character. Into character, yeah. Cool. Yeah, because I think as long as we're doing sort of broad stroke representation of people, mm -hmm. we're out of it. But it's like, no, but what is, what is yeah. this character care about yeah, and that's cool. what do they notice and what's on their desk mm -hmm. and what do they you know what's what do they think is good luck and bad luck and how do they approach the world and you start to ask those specific questions then you start to get a specific character yeah that's cool yeah that's cool all right so i have a question maybe this is a closing little exercise okay is to think of something you love mm -hmm. so you got that in mind sure okay would you be willing to share it? Yeah. Yeah. Camp. Okay, camp. So I just want to hear, let's say, five things that are specific that you love about camp. Mm. 
right? So we, we know that this is a, a big feeling that you have to get a lot of history, but like either five specific things you love about or five specific memories from it. Just So there's like subject headings and then there's specific moments that d- d- illustrate those subject headings. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you both. Okay. One is helping. It's a Girl Scout camp. So helping girls, modeling for girls, female leadership, female friendship, intergenerational friendship, women whose body, who uh, noticing that our bodies are strong more than we notice what they look like, mm-hmm. right? So like, what can my body do more than what is it? How does it look? All of that stuff feels really important. And also just sort of like instilling the sense of impa- being powerful because mm-hmm. we're living in the w- wilderness. Cool. And there was a moment, it was actually a year that my mom came to camp and she was working with this little germaphobe kid, which is like germ, germaphobes have a tough time at camp. Sure. Because it's dirt. It's super rustic. Everything is dirt. And it's clean dirt because it's wilderness dirt, but it's dirt nonetheless. It's not grime, mm-hmm. you know. And she, her job for the day was to clean out the fireplace in the staff house. So the staff house is this hut. Was it the girl's job? The little girl's job. My It was in my mom's unit. And my mom was a counselor for the little kids, for like the nine-year-olds. And she's a total freaked out about being dirty. Mm-hmm. And so mom was like, we're going to do this. You and me, we're doing it, right? And so she like talked her through it, mm. you know, prepared her for the fact that, you know, these are, these are charcoal wood logs. So some of that charcoal is going to come off your hands. You're going to see that, da, da, da. Like just worked through. Did that thing of like, this is going to be tricky. So we're going to slow down and nice. we're going to do it together, Lovely. right? And did it. Cleaned out the ashes, scooped the ashes into a bucket, reset the fire, cleaned out the... Like, just did the whole thing. She did the whole thing. And at the end, this little girl goes... She was so excited. And she said, I didn't know I could do that. Mm. It wasn't like I never did that before. It was like, I didn't know I could do that. I didn't realize that I was capable of doing that thing. Mm -hmm. And that phrase, I didn't know I could do that, was... It's like, oh my God, what are all the things in the world that I didn't know I could do? Because I haven't tried them or I've figured that they're off limits somehow Mm -hmm. or, you know... Mm -hmm. Such a beautiful, such a beautiful thing. That's cool. We had some of that come up at the retreat. Yeah, right. I'm better at that than I thought. People trying new things. Assuming out. that we'd be bad at right at, at doing something and then trying it, being like, oh, actually not better yeah. at that than I thought. So I'll do one more. Okay. Just one more, which is, I love the tradition of this place. So I've been attending this place since I was nine. Right. And I'm 36, and I've gone not every summer, but the vast probably 90 percent of the summers of my life, I've gone, and some of the counselors who were counselors when I was a kid are still there. They still come. Mm. And I was, the final night of camp is something called the wish boat ceremony where we all make wish boats out of bark and natural things. We put candles on them nice. for every girl in our unit. And nice. we, we say a wish, we like the boat, we let it off on the lake. And there's a big bonfire in the middle of the lake. Mm. You float a bonfire out there. So it's very beautiful because all this flame, there's no light pollution out there, so it's all this flame is just being reflected in the surface of the lake, and usually it's a nice clear night, and the stars, and the fire, it's like really cool. And I was sitting there on the canoe dock watching, and I wasn't with my unit, they were sitting somewhere, but I'd helped with the ceremony, so I was sitting kind of off to the side, and this woman whose camp name is Flingy, we all have camp names, she's a fisher. Flingy? Flingy, yeah, like you fling a line mm. out. And her name is Flingy, and she looked at me, and she sort of whispered to me, she goes, when I look at you, I see a little kid. Oh. 
like you're still nine to me or something like that. You're still this big to me. And I, it's rare to know people that have known you that long mm-hmm. that aren't your family. Mm-hmm. And this, and camp is full of them. Right. And I, my heart just like filled up when she said that. I just sort of teared up at it because it was like, oh, she sees me. Right. She's seen all of the versions of me. Right. Every year I come back to this place and she's seen me grow and become more confident and become a leader and now teach kids who want to be leaders how to be leaders. Mm-hmm. And I'm her her colleague in a way, right? We're right. Pe- we're all both on staff together and yet she has this she sees me, right? Like just like that tradition, cool. a long-standing tradition. Like I I love those two things about camp. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so it's like thank you for sharing that. Mm. Hearing those little details makes this love come alive. Yeah. Right? So now I understand that listeners get that love yeah. in way more resonance and dimension than we could have had from just saying, oh, yeah, camp's really important really to me. Really special place. Right. I was like, well. So cool. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Mm. Anything else you want to add or say or ask about specificity here? About our lovely topic for the day? Oh, no. I just think I would love to to give people a challenge. Like, this feels like a really actionable mm. topic. Mm. Is like, notice more things. Milk some moments. Make some small talk. See if you can. See if you can give somebody something to nucleate on. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> see if you can attract some bubbles. I don't know. Right. You know, here for the next episode, I'm going to learn the actual science behind that and see if I'm right about it. Yeah, I like that notion of just get out get out and play with being specific. Yeah, like noticing specificity in yourself. Name your own emotions specifically when you're feeling good. What is it? Are you feeling optimistic? Are you feeling grateful? Are you feeling like, what are the things? When you're feeling bad, what are, what are the things? Mm-hmm. What are the things in the world that you notice specifically? Yeah. Train that the finer focus yeah. lens. I think it's such a powerful thing. It's not the point, but it helps the point. Mm-hmm. Right. What does it What does it make available when we notice those details? What then snaps into focus, or yeah. what door opens that leads us on another, or the tile on the floor that gets lit up that says, "Come walk this way." This way. Come over here. There's something here. Yeah. yeah. Cool. 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 All right. Okay. Let's let's uh, let's wrap this up. Close it out. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. Glad to have you. Mm-hmm. And um, on we go. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, people. Yeah, that's it. Thank you so much for coming along. Uh, We would love to hear your thoughts if if you've got them. Info at monsterbabypodcast.com. Yeah, maybe you know what the actual four agreements are. Maybe you have some light to shed on the nucleation situation. Maybe you want to send some champagne and you're wondering what ad- the best address to do that That's what be. we can take. We can give that all to you. Info at monsterbabypodcast.com. Our customer service agents are waiting. They are, they are waiting. They're waiting. ready and waiting. Waiting to hear from you. And uh, Yeah, so get in touch if you want. And we're so happy that you're listening. I think that's it. Delighted. We're, yeah, this is a quick and, e- quick and easy outro, people. Yeah. So we'll see you next time. Fly free. Be well. Be well.